The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the loss to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Nathan. And this is Charlie. We're your host for today. And um, we're just going to open up a can of worms today. Yeah, we're going to be continuing in our Red fl- red Flags Red flags series. Red Flag series. So we're going to talk about worship songs today, um, <laughs> Christian music. We I just got to share this when we start, though. I love Christian music. I love worship songs. I listen to it constantly. I almost never listen to any other type of music. I do once in a while, but it's just when I'm listening to music, it's constant worship songs. And we also love Christian artists and those who invest a lot of time and energy in trying to make God's word easy for people to understand and put it in their hearts and in their minds and get it stuck in there. We really appreciate people like that. But that being said, there are red flags in music. Um, We see this, we hear it said a lot in modern Christian music, like, Oh, it seems so off. But actually, there there are issues even with old hymns, too. Right. Um, we see it across the board where the truth is not accurately being portrayed in the songs that we sing. And where the, there's literally like either things that aren't exactly true or blatant lies that we're singing over and over and over again in our church gatherings. And so there's these lies that are... Uh, packaged with the truth, you could say. Right. And it's uh, it's real. This is an important conversation because some of you might say, like I've often said, well, it's just a song. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. And if you know what you're talking about, then you don't fall for those lies. Or it's just like one or two sentences in a song. All the rest of the song is good. It's only just one or two sentences. And uh, Charlie and I were talking about that a little bit earlier, a few weeks ago. And I thought what you had to say, Charlie, was really interesting. You were like, if there was a sermon that only had like two or three lines of heresy in it, we wouldn't be talking about how the rest of it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy preached this awesome message and then says, you know, Jesus wasn't God, but I just wanted you to hear the rest of my message. We'd be, whoa, 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 get this guy out of here. Right. So I think it is an important conversation for exactly the reason that you said. It's because songs have this way of like sticking in our heads. We we carry them with us wherever we go. Yeah. We hum them in our heads. We sing them at church. We we use them as a, a form of worship. So they, they inform how we think. Right. In fact, I would go as so far as to say that in a pre-literate world where people not everybody read, hymns were probably the primary way that people were getting their theology. Yeah, or around the world with tribal groups where they pass on realities through song often. Right. Yeah. Kids are singing these songs running around in villages. We've seen that. Um, so yeah, there's even songs that, uh, are sung in church and I just close my mouth during certain (laughs) lines. I know I'm a weirdo, but I do, I don't sing them. And my wife laughs at me because she'll look over and see that I'm not singing that part of the song. Um, I, she's a worship leader as well and has written music. Um, so she's in that kind of Christian music scene and, uh, she, uh, I've, 
at different events and things. I'm like, hey, you're going to be leading worship or we have this worship song. Maybe you could just rewrite those two lines Mm. and make them different. So I wouldn't go as far to say that we can't ever sing them, um, but maybe we could change some of the words that are maybe not exactly right. Or uh, we could rewrite those. And and so today we're going to break it down in a few minutes, but... Today we're going to be hitting on a couple of specific songs that were like, that's kind of a red flag there. And also a couple of trends that we're noticing in Christian music that it's like, oh, that's a, a bit of a red flag as well. And if you like these songs, hmm, I'm sorry, not really, but I'm sorry. Well, uh, he means we're we're not trying necessarily to <laughs> offend you, but we are trying to uplift God's word. Yes, so... There's this incredible old hymn, amazing song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount yes. of Every Blessing. I really love this song. And then it gets to this one line that I can't stand. So there's three stanzas in the song, and it, this is two lines in the third stanza. Yes. It says this phrase, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. I'm okay with that, you know, if it's just standing alone, but then it unpacks it further and says, prone to leave the God I love. Hmm. What? Like, wait, are you, you, you don't love, you don't leave someone you love. So that's one issue. Like you don't ever leave somebody you love. Jesus even said, the one who loves me obeys my commands. So how on earth we, we don't, if we leave God, if it's possible, we're not going to get into that controversy. Do we lose our salvation? I'm, we're not going right. to answer that. That's a whole nother issue, topic. Can you lose your salvation? Whatever the case, you don't. You can't leave something that you love. Right. So it doesn't even make sense. The re the reason that we primarily have a problem with this is this idea that you can't that if you're going to love someone, you're not going to leave them, and. Uh, it's definitely got this kind of nuance of our false understanding of what love is in our modern culture. We think about love in a almost a romantic, attractional sense. This idea that you can, f- quote unquote, fall out of love with your spouse is a completely ridiculous claim and totally misses the whole definition of what biblical love right. really is. But even using that false definition, if you were infatuated feeling loving them, you wouldn't leave them in that moment. Right. The other issue with this phrase is this idea that we're prone to do this. Now, uh, obviously, it might have just been that this guy wanted a word that rhymed with other words, (laughs) so he used the word prone. But all the same, in my... I don't think it rhymes with anything in the song. (laughs) In my opinion, this idea that we're prone, that we're more... Uh, that we're more we're, we're we're going to tend towards this. We're we're most likely going to do this thing. Pr- prone means you're in a posture of surrender and enslavement too. Like right. you're on the ground in a posture of surrender. Like like the police officer pulls you out of the car and says, "Go prone on the ground." Right. You're in submission to him. Right. So you're in submission to this idea of leaving God, which is like really a significant problem, and I think it misses 
a whole big part of the gospel. So we talk about the gospel a lot on this on this podcast, and hopefully you hear about the gospel a lot. And when we hear the gospel, often we think about it in terms of what Jesus did for us, which is, it's the good news. You know, Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sins, was buried three days later, rose from the dead. And if you want to follow him, he'll trade you your sin and brokenness for his radical, awesome uh, restoration and his righteousness, and you'll be counted righteous in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did for you. So, like, this whole idea that the gospel is what Jesus did for us is really, really important, and it's really, really good, and it's really, really good news. But the fullness of the biblical gospel does not end with our salvation. It begins with our salvation and continues through our transformation. We often in the modern church I have discovered, and it's not just an issue in the modern church, because if you if you read Paul's letter to the Ephesians, for example, they're going through this exact same issue. Ephesians uh, is six chapters long. The first three chapters, Paul's explaining the gospel. He's like, you were foreigners and outsiders to the way of God, and, and God grafted you in, and like uh, that famous verse about, uh, that famous verse about uh, how we're saved by grace through faith, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is right there in the middle of that first section of Ephesians. The second section of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, Paul explains the impact that the gospel should have on our lives. It, it should change us. It should transform us. It should, it should revolutionize us. Uh, he literally goes through, if you look starting at chapter 4, verse 17, and continuing on from there, you'll notice that he specifically addresses certain things like theft and lying, and uh, sexual immorality, and uh, speaking a word like uh, speaking evil words against each other. You'll notice that he goes through systematically. He's like, "Hey, take off this old thing, this old self that is being degraded and is all kinds of issues because it it's lured into temptation and sin, and put on this new thing, this new piece of thing that God that God has given you, the the new way of life that Christ has given you." and live lives of holiness. And that's what we seem to have missed in our modern church. We've missed this call to holiness. And so this idea that we can be prone to leave the God we love has missed the whole transforming side of the gospel. That that I'm just a victim of my own sin and blah, you know, and I'm just, pro, I, I, you know, I, I'm always going to be a sinner no matter what and this <laughs> and, and that. And, and I think that the phrase, no matter where you land on the theological spectrum, it misses the point. If you're a Calvinist, you don't believe you can lose your salvation and on that side of the body of Christ. So, oh, we're going to leave the God. I love like I, no, so, I'm not going to so leave I'm him. Just, and then on the Arminian side, the Calvinist side would say you're taking advantage of what Jesus has done right, for you, but but you wouldn't be able to leave him, right? And then the Arminian side would say no, you need to like live a life of holiness and not fall out of grace. Yeah, but that doesn't happen if you love him, and so either way, it doesn't work. Right. It, either way, it's a significant problem, and it reveals a crucial missing piece of the good news that so many people have missed, which is, hey, FYI, you're saved by grace, but your response to grace, your the way that you reveal your love for God is by living a life of holiness. Yeah. Um, out of your love for him, out of his grace, right. it, it John 14, you. 15, like you said, right? 
Did you already quote that earlier? Yeah. yeah. The one who <laughs> loves me obeys my commands. It's yeah. out. It's a love issue. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a, a works based legalistic issue. It's a love issue. Do you love him? Do you value him? Do you desire him? Right. Um. It's uh. Just compared to like Romans six, we have died to sin. We're no longer slaves to sin. Romans eight, we have the spirit of God. We're sons of God. Why on earth would we proclaim that we're in prone in a prone state to leave God? Right. And and that brings me, I think, to even the third thing. Would I ever go to my wife, whom I love, and want to spend time with her and say? I, I wrote you a song. And she'd go, really? That's amazing. I'm not very good at this kind of stuff. But just imagine if I was. <laughs> I went to her and said, I wrote you a song. Yes. And um, she's all excited. And then I start singing it. And I say, oh, I'm really prone to divorce you. And I know that's true, but I hope my heart will be sealed to you. But but really, all the world around me is pulling my eyes and my affections away from you. Right. What on earth would Re- she say? And that's really how Charlie sings, just like he just sings. <laughs> <laughs> so, wow. Um, Sorry, that's distracting. One, we see two problems with the word prone and with leaving what we love. But behind that, why would we give our praise as negativity. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't I say, God, I love you so much. I never want to leave you. Right. God, I love you so much. Seal my heart for eternity. Right. God, I love you so much that even though I know I might mess up, I really don't want to mess up. Yeah. Like, please like help me to not mess up. So, um, there's this TV show that my wife and I watched and there were these moments where the characters would share something with the other characters that blew their minds and messed up their perspective for the rest of their <laughs> life. It was a glass shattering moment. Oh my and then goodness. they would have this imagination like, and they're like, oh, no, I can never see this, this place the same ever again. Or this person. I'm really sorry if we just did that to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I still you, sing the song except for the, the line you, that we just shared. You know that new song, Gyra, by uh, Maverick City? Yeah, I, I like that song. I actually. love that song. So whenever I hear it, though, I hear dry rub. <laughs> like eating chicken wings or something? Oh, my gosh. I wow. feel bad about it, but it's... I've never heard that. Dry, so. I'm, dry I'm hungry rub. for some Buffalo Wild Wings now, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, there's another phrase that's just interesting. I don't know that it's flat out wrong. It's just interesting. It's maybe nuanced. And I got to say, I love Maverick City. I I listen to every worship band out there, hymns and modern. Um, So I I listen to them all and I try songs out from all of them. But uh, there's this this phrase in a recent um, song by Maverick City, the song Communion, awesome song. Uh, but then there's this funny phrase to me. I, it just makes me think. I don't know if people, if any of you are like me, but I start thinking about the Bible and these songs when we're singing them. And then I'm like, oh, where's that in the Bible? And mm. anyway, so we sing, you're so easy to love. And I got to thinking when I was singing that one day, wait, is God so easy to love mm. or is he not? Is it true? Is it not true? I don't, I don't know. So then I stopped singing and I was thinking about it in this, this state of worship, but um, what do you think about that phrase? Yeah, I, I go back and forth about it. On one hand, I think that the scriptures indicate that loving Jesus is actually quite costly. 
Like if we want to love him, if we want to be his follower, it's going to demand all of us. It's going to demand our time, our talent, our treasure. That You guys know the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus, what must I do? Well, you know, obey all the commands. And yeah. well, I've done those perfectly. Oh, oh yeah, sure you have. But even if you had, okay, I have this one more thing for you to do. Go sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor and come follow me. And the guy goes away sad. We don't know what he did. Maybe he sold everything bec- or not. Indications are that he probably he didn't. didn't. Yeah. And uh, that's the, the that's the one story that my mind was immediately drawn to when I was thinking about this lyric. Right. The basically the idea is following Jesus is really ho- it's costly. It it's joy filled and full of uh, contentment, and it's filled with peace, and it's filled with all the fruits of the satisfaction spirit. and purpose. Right. And, the best love you've ever received ever in your entire life. But it will cost you everything, e- even your life. It'll cost you everything. We we talk about being willing to die for Jesus, but are we really willing yeah. to live for him? And so is it really easy to love him? I mean, it's, e- it's easy to love somebody who loves you unconditionally in one sense because well, you always love me. Right. No, but, ma- no matter what I do. On the other hand, me. it's a tough commitment. Yeah. I would actually compare it to marriage. The Bible does. So, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't wake up every day in my heart saying it's easy to love my wife or easy to love my family, my kid, or even easy to love God. I don't wake up every day thinking that. <laughs> no. Some days it's, it's like, this is sheer discipline, mm. decision of will. I made this commitment, even if I don't feel it. Mm. So, and that's really what li- love is. Yeah, um, it's love a is a choice. It comes with feelings, but it stays when the feelings go. Right, and that's when the why feelings it, come back. That's why it's ridiculous to say you can fall out of love with somebody. So, um, you can fall in and out of infatuation. Yeah, or lust. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, feelings come and go. So uh, I think it's – in some sense it's true, in some sense it's false with yep. that lyric. But I always think about that. So um, just an interesting one. There's a third one that I had in my mind uh, with this topic, and it's the lyric. It might be in that same song, and it says this. You're singing to God, and you say, you are in the air I'm breathing. Mm. isn't that a phrase all I think of is Hinduism when I sing that we've traveled the globe you guys listening you know we've been around the world here and there that's that's Hindu belief that's a right. straight up lie God is not the creation in front of me he created this is right. he omnipresent yes he he, he but he's what, should I sing he's in the table I'm sitting at right now Right. He's in it's the a, sun I'm looking at in the sky. It's a problem. So here, just for clarity's sake, God in Christianity, God and creation are distinctively separate things. You can't, you can't combine them. You can't put them together. God is separate from creation. That doesn't mean, like Charlie was saying, that he's not omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, but he's still separate from creation. So... Is his presence here with us as we gather and worship in his name? Of course. But is he in or is he the air I breathe? Like, no, he's not. 
because he's not his creation. So that's a really important distinctive feature. Absolutely. I think it's really important. Uh, Or we begin to sing these songs and ingest them as truth. And then when it comes later on to discerning what is true and what is false, it becomes a whole lot more difficult. Mm. And take it another step further. We meet someone who's from another religion. And we say, yes, I want to lead him to Christ. But then you start saying, having conversations, and all of a sudden you, you start to think, oh, it kind of sounds like they believe the same thing I do. Mm. Well, God's in this air in front front of me, and he's He's in this tree. And we'd be sing, we've been singing these songs for so many years that we start to think, oh, well, I guess I kind of think the same thing. Like, right. they're not really any different. Right. It's oh, a problem. Problem. Red flag. Watch right. out. Right. I love all these songs, uh, just those few, few lyrics that have caught my attention in recent days that I thought were really intriguing um, and worth mentioning. Yeah. Worth worth discussing, throwing out there on the table. Agreed. You can disagree and, with us if you want, um, but you should chew on it and think about it. Right. And obviously we're not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. We're just saying, hey, as we sing songs and as we write songs and as we produce and make them popular and all that – it's important for us to consider the message that we're sending because there's some, my guess is Maverick City was just trying to be artsy. Like, it's not like they were setting out to put Hinduism they, into Christianity. They may have even been trying to proclaim a truth of God's omnipresence. Right. But the way that it comes across is important. And so all that to say, uh, this is something that I think a lot of, it happens in so many worship songs. And there's actually trends I think in modern yeah. worship songs that we've begun to pick up on and one of those trends that is kind of a really big red flag is who are these worship songs about um, <laughs> I I've noticed it even in the songs on like I don't know whatever Christian radio station you have around you um, around here it's called Caleb uh, we've got three I think but I listen to Caleb the most and man it seems like every I, I listen to way FM or Grace FM. There you go. The most out of those, but usually it's just Apple music on my phone. <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's a it's a it's kind of a trend in all Christian music. But we have begun to put ourselves, and it's been happening for years now. But we've begun to put ourselves at the center of worship songs. Now, is it okay to sing about how God loves you and like how He saved you and all of this stuff? I think so. But they're definitely not worship songs. They're they're positive and encouraging. That's what they are. But they're not worship. Because a worship song is about him. Yeah, there could be debate on that too. Because um, there are... So I don't know if this would be considered a worship song in the scriptures. But I want to say it's in the book of Acts. The church is singing a hymn. Or is it in Philippians? Maybe both. Um, it's considered a hymn in the scriptures. One of the fir- first hymns. Yep, and I yeah. believe it's early in the book of Acts. I'd have to go I think it's in Philippians. Bible. I can't well, remember. Philippians is for sure yeah. one, considered one of the first hymns in there. Um, there's also a section in early in the book of Acts. Maybe I'll find it here while we're sitting on this episode. But I actually thought about this, and there's nothing that's directly pointed to God. Hmm. It's not like, God, you are, Jesus is. It's, it's, it's just a statement of truths. Hmm. Um, so is that not a worship song? I don't know. Uh, because sometimes we do things in life 
that are not directly directed toward God, but they're out of a heart of worship toward God. Sure. And so could it be a worship song, even though it's not directly toward him because it's proclaiming truths? Uh, maybe. I think possibly. I don't know. That's a debatable topic right there. Yeah. I I don't know. I, I, would, I would struggle to call anything that puts me at the center of it and my experience at the center of it a worship song. Yeah, there's a fine line there, I think, a yeah. gray area. Because if it's true, it's still truth. And there's so many scriptures. Ultimately, we know the scriptures about Jesus, but there's a whole lot of scriptures that point to truths about what he says about us too. Right. But we are chosen, but is we are adopted. Is that we are loved. But the question is, is that, is that worship? Like, I don't, I go back and forth. Like, I think it depends on the person's heart. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that is probably a great way to understand it, that it really does depend on your heart. Is it about me or is it about declaring a truth that affects me, but is ultimately about him and points to his goodness? Yeah, like uh, there's this song, The Reckless Love of God. You probably have heard it. You've probably listened to it. You've probably sung it. I I like that song. Um, I don't really have a problem with it theologically. It's all absolutely true. God's coming after us like he came after the one sheep out of the 99. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. So... Yeah, you're, you could be singing that and thinking all about yourself selfishly, and you're probably not worshiping. Somebody else could be singing that and like, wow, this is what God says. This is his character, and they mm-hmm. could be worshiping. So that that's tough to draw the line, I think, depending on where the person's heart is at. I will say in recent days when I've sung that, I've started to think about God's heart for the lost, and I'm like, if he would climb any mountain and knock down and kick down any door for me, I should be do- willing to do that for the sake of the lost and the unreached of the world who've never heard of Jesus and need his His presence and message desperately. Um, so whenever I sing that song, I'm always thinking about God's mission in the back of my mind and those who don't know him, and I should be willing to carry that that same character of God forward. Uh, but that, it's just uh, it's any, interesting. Any luck in Acts? I'm still looking. All right. <laughs> you guys probably can hear him flipping his Bible. I'm going to find it one day. Yeah. Um, let's see. Any other trends in Christian music that you've noticed? Well, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, I think that the core of this episode is talking about, hey, let's be conscientious of what we're putting in, what we're allowing to go in, and what we're allowing to to be stored in our hearts and minds. Let's let's be thoughtful about it. Let's test against the word of God. Let's make sure that uh what we're singing and what we're saying matches what God's word says and what God says about himself. And let's let's be thoughtful. Let's not just well the you know it's what we're singing today. Uh, so that must mean it's okay or it's what's on the radio so that must mean it's okay. Let's be thoughtful. Let's be conscientious. Let's be uh, not in a negative way, but let's be critical of what's going in and make sure truly that mm. it that it matches God's word. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining this episode of Fuel for the Harvest. If you wouldn't mind unsubscribing and resubscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts when you check it out, um, that really helps the algorithm for more, more people to to hear about it. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you and see you next time.